listening to Europe Calling with Vince Tracy and Barbara Ann. Europe Calling. Oh, very good day, everybody. Welcome to Europe Calling with Barbara Ann and myself on the 28th of August 2023. Okay, we have a distinct uh, feeling that maybe it's coming to the end of the really hot weather. Let's hope so. It is still very hot, but it's not uh, sort of all the time overnight was a little bit nicer and then uh, even a little bit cooler in the water today swimming so let's just uh, have a look and see whether or not the mountains are nice they are of course beautiful clear definition and uh, let's find out what sort of a weekend Barbara Ann has been having so welcome to you Hello, everybody. Yeah, fine. Um, it's much more manageable now. Sort of uh, top 20s, maybe just going into 30, 32. Much better than 38 to 42. So, uh, yeah, a lot happier. But still beautiful blue skies and uh, a nice cooler breeze, which Vince has already said. So, yeah, all in all, yeah, looking forward to September. Okay, we're going to start uh, the podcast in a different sort of way today. We will be looking at the uh, news very shortly as the papers are uh, advising us of certain things. But um, as you watch the England versus the Spain World Cup final and you've seen the fallout now with this um, uh, FA chief in Spain deciding that he doesn't want to resign and he feels that everybody is ganging up on him, etc., etc. What did you think when you saw what was going on at the presentation ceremony? Well, obviously, I I was just a little bit shocked, really, that um, he was sort of hugging others, um, you know, which is normal, I would think, for Spain because there's a lot of hugging and kisses on the cheeks here. But when it came to the captain, um, it was a, a different bit of a shock, you know, that uh, he kissed her without hesitation, uh, both hands on her, on her cheeks, uh, so she couldn't get away, and kissed her directly on the lips. So that's really not very nice if you you know if he's not related or anything like that i mean if it was your dad or something like that but we're talking about a professional footballer so i don't think it was really acceptable okay at the time that it happened did you feel that way then or is it mainly because of the interest of the press because there's a lot of interest it's gone on and on and on um, and there are certain people saying that it's part of a bigger picture. You know, the idea is to try and obviously get us all talking about something while other things are happening. Uh, for example, if you want to go down that road, there's nothing uh, particularly that uh, you could disagree with. But uh, were you annoyed at the time that you saw it? No, I wasn't. I, I, as I say, I was more shocked. Like, oh, gosh, you know, she got one on the lips. I really thought he might have known her personally um, as more of a, a friend of the family, you know, sort of a close relationship with her. But no, I, I must admit, um, the way Spain is, kissing and hugging, it, it just surprised me. It didn't shock me. It surprised me. Well, Rubiales, the guy that we're talking about, uh, apparently his mother now has gone into a church, locked herself inside and uh, refusing to come out. Uh, that was a headline. I've not really seen uh, whether that's uh, been updated. It probably has. But um, I must say, when I saw it, I knew immediately it was totally inappropriate. Now, other people have said to me, um, you know, and, and I've seen various other sources that apparently these two people have been uh, having a bit of a, a fling together. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Uh, that sooner or later will come out. But 
if you look at what we saw, we saw the uh, the head of the Spanish Football Association um, congratulating the players, the women players, uh, for the final that they'd just beaten England 1-0 and won the World Cup. Now, um, really, uh, I, I think there is something that is a little bit symptomatic of problems of a general nature which are getting caught up in this because I do think some older men do act in, uh, in, inappropriately with uh, younger women. Um, I've seen it when we've um, been at meals and I, I feel some of the, the, the older guys, they do take a, a bit of liberty here and there. Um, and I wondered whether you've ever felt the same. Um, well, I, c I can't really say. Yeah, may maybe you know a bit touchy feely, which uh, is is uh, not not acceptable now. Um, we have seen that with waitresses and uh, male male uh, waitress waiters uh, touching the females, but um, it's up to the female really to say don't do that. Um, but I think what you said that they do, he does know her personally away from the team, so. Everyone was excited. Everyone was uh, happy. So maybe it was a spontaneous, um, I know you, I'll kiss you on the lips. I don't know. But I suppose it will carry on for many weeks because uh, there's no way he wants to resign. So I think there's more, more to it, more to it mm. at the end. I think there as well, but uh, we will le leave that for a minute. And I do know that you watch um, Liverpool as your football team. And I would expect you to be sort of always telling me that uh, whatever happens, the, the Liverpool team uh, would get your support. But um, you've had red cards two weeks running. And uh, did you feel that they were sort of justified? Not at all, not at all. Um, I don't know what's going on, but um, the one yesterday's with uh, Virgil van Dijk, definitely not. I mean, we've had two different, differing uh, uh, opinions on this on the television about po two different pundits. One said definitely not, and one said definitely it was. But um, for me, it wasn't a red card. It was m possibly a yellow card, but definitely not red. And the other one uh, being uh, Trent Alexander. Well, the foul that he had on him, uh, I don't know how much, uh, how uh, uh, previous it was. I think it was only about five or ten minutes. He was actually booted off the, um, the pitch. And all he did was uh, pick the ball with no venom and just threw it back onto the pitch. And apparently that's against the rules now, which, again, you've got to look at it. If, if he threw it at somebody and they hit them, that's a different story. Um, but no, he, he didn't. And then he got a yellow card for the slightest pull. I mean, we see it all the time now, pulling jerseys, arms around their necks, arms around the waist. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So I think Liverpool might have been earmarked for uh, not wanting to win. So I was very, very happy. I, d I didn't Nunes get what you meant then. Liverpool earmarked for not wanting to win. For, for not uh, people not wanting them to win, sorry. Okay. Officials maybe. But when Nunes came in, thank goodness that happened, you know. Okay, we'll go away from all that now and we'll start having a look at the newspapers. So what have we got in the papers in the UK to look at? Okay, so the NHS in the UK, I'm reading now, is accused of trying to erase women. Erase women as dozens of trusts sign up to rainbow badge scheme that marks down hospitals for using words like uh, mother. MPs call for ministers to step in after trusts joined NHS rainbow badge scheme. 
think I'll have to read a little bit more into this because obviously uh, there will be people who maybe think this is so stupid it doesn't really deserve even discussing. But um, these um, hospitals have signed up to be graded by trans rights charities who tell them to stop using the terms mother and woman. Uh, angry MPs have called ministers to step in after 77 trusts joined the NHS Rainbow Badge Scheme, uh, which rewards them for dropping gendered language from policies, forms and signs. So we'll have a look and see what that means a bit more in a minute. But what's your first reaction to this? Absolutely stupid. I, I just can't... I, I, as you say, some people won't even believe that this, this is uh, real news. I, I just, it goes on and on and on to go more and more ridiculous. I mean, they're making themselves look ridiculous. It's a tiny, tiny, I don't know, Vince will know, but a tiny percentage of people are transgender. I'm talking a tiny, uh, not even 1%, I don't think. No, it's 0.03 well, of 1%. Exactly. And who are they? They can be what they want. They can do what they want. I'm not bothered about that. But who are they to, to dictate to the mass majority of mothers, women, uh, f- uh, men and, and fathers? What, what right have they got to dictate their rules to us? I just think if people haven't got the sense to take no notice of this, but obviously you've said some have already signed up, well, more fool them. Well, let's go over, it goes a bit deeper. A former cabinet minister uh, last night accused the NHS of being willing to erase women so they can please radical, ideologically driven campaign groups. The scheme is commissioned by NHS England, but run by vocal trans rights lobbying groups, including Stonewall and the LGBT Foundation, who carry out the grading. They also tell hospitals to introduce gender-neutral toilets and get medics to ask patients their pronouns, leading to fears that the lobby groups are dictating NHS policy. So then a bit further on, they talk about the 10... Uh, Well, I'll go next to uh, the next paragraph. Actually, that's just as important, um, where it says staff who just want to treat patients and to speak out um, against the NHS's focus on gender identity are branded homophobic and transphobic while facing tougher consequences from bosses. Now, that somebody's behind this. Somebody's got to be behind this. Well, maybe there's a, a gay person running some of the uh, hospitals, which I think there are a lot of um, homosexuals and um, lesbian people that are running the hospitals. As I say, I've got nothing against homosexuals and, and lesbians. Absolutely no question about that. It's them, what's annoying everyone, or annoying me as, as well, is they're, they're trying to take over the mass majority of people. I mean, I just can't understand why we're even talking about it. And I hope when women um, and mothers go into hospital to have their babies, they want to be known as a mother and they want to be known as a woman, not a, you know, a person and a, and a it or whatever. They w- they're trying to change their language. They're trying to change the way we feel about one another. And they are not, 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 percent of the whole population wake up the people that are doing this because i mean it's just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i can't say any more than that really that people are actually uh, 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 agreeing to it i mean they just say go away just get on with your life i've told um many peoples over the years that in 19 83, when I went back to study, I read in the Communist Party Manifesto, written in 1848, that how they wanted to defeat the um, capitalist society would be to defeat the family. Now, this is exactly what they're doing. I'm looking at the questions that, uh, for example, they are going to uh, say, they say they've been uh, told they have to answer when they go into the hospital. Does the trust have family and leave policies which use gender neutral language and explicitly state that they are applicable regardless of 
gender. I mean, really, that is such gobbledygook, really. I mean, most people, that, even myself, I mean, you just wouldn't understand it. You fill in a form. Somebody says, are you male or female? I'm female. Are you a mother? Are you going to have a baby? Yes, because I'm a mother. You know, I mean, the simple questions. Why are they trying to make it so complicated? At, at the end of the day, a transgender person can't have a baby. So why does he or she want to be... Uh, classified as the most important person, uh, I, you know, when there's a majority of people, um, you know, against, not against them. We're not against them. We're not, pr uh, what do they call them? Um, hemo, what, what do homophobic. You say? We're not homophobic. In what, but you're making us angry. You're making us want to, um, want to, uh, not say be homophobic, but you're making us. Uh, want to say, well, what is what's it all about? Well, let's you know, look at this second a big issue of about nothing. Let's look at this second question. Do clinics have gendered names, e.g., women's health, or are they named for purpose? Now, if somebody was to say to you, uh, "Are you here for colposcopy?" Would you know what that is? Uh, well, it's obviously for the colon. Oh, so it's called possibly, I think it goes into your colon to like investigate the camera. Well, the thing is, it's the general area of women's health. Exactly. Yeah. So if somebody says to you, you're here for women's health, you'd know that they're talking about uh, bits and pieces. In, in, uh, internally. Yeah, okay. Internally. If somebody says to you, colposcopy, most people probably wouldn't understand that. Mm. So there's number one reason why you wouldn't have this sort of language straight away before before you put they're trying to sort of make out uh that you know th th they can lead you by the questions that the uh the trust is going to be penalized you know well, why, why i mean i'm just going back to a form everyone fills uh, you know as far as i know you have to fill in a form when you go to the hospital if you've had an accident or for your records, who are you? Where do you live? What are you male or female? Are you married? Have you got kids? All that information. So why don't they just have one question uh, in there, or two or three questions? Are you transgender? Are you a homosexual? Are you uh, actually have a question for it, and then they can tick it. You know, we don't have to change the way we are. Just add those three: homosexual, lesbian, transgender. Are you one of those? And yep. all they have to do is say yes. Let's I'm one be of those. let's be honest. When we were growing up, we didn't have any of this nonsense, did we? Uh, you know, we never worried about. We never did, talked but, about but, things but like this. But men and women, uh, t uh, lesbian and uh, homosexuals, you 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 don't have to give that information when you go if you're ill. You d why why would you want to give that? I mean, the, the the doctors and the nurses are treating you for what you've gone into hospital for, not because you're a lesbian or a or um, sorry, a lesbian or a homosexual, and now transgender. They're there to help you to get better. It goes on to other questions, and one of them is, did you notice that the clinical staff avoided using gendered language, using partner instead of husband or wife or parent instead of mother or father? You see, it's really, it's inverting common sense to stupidity, really. Yeah, why? Why don't they want us to use that? That—that's the question. Well, I what? What? What's your problem? What's your problem with saying mum and dad? You've—all these people have all had mothers and fathers. So what do they call their mother and father now? It or cat or you? I've I mean, tried how to explain. How disrespectful is that to these people's parents? I've tried to explain for many years to people if you will all maybe at least pay a little bit of, shall we say, attention to whether or not, maybe I've got it wrong, I don't know. But all I can tell you is I read the Communist Party Manifesto. I'd just gone back to college. I was a father working, um, you know, and then decided to go back to college that was important to me because we'd all grown up with the spectre of uh, the communists trying to uh, have a go at America, if you might remember, with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And to read that the communists were then thinking that the way to defeat capitalism is to defeat the family. This is what they're trying to do. And my guess is that somewhere within the organisation that we're looking at, the NHS, 
there will be links, strong links to communism. Whether it's China, whether it's Russia, who knows? But it will be communism. But if you're going to say to me, um, think about, you know, we got the the, the the start of this came in when, you know, the the, um, the, the, the homosexual was then going to be called gay as opposed to the word that we had been using. And then, you know, my partner as opposed to now we've got my husband or my wife when clearly, you know, the rules have had to be changed to accommodate the language. Just doesn't make sense. Um, have you seen any unisex gender neutral toilet facilities or signage indicating where they are now? No. And I don't, and I wouldn't. No, but this is this, this is the UK. But yeah. I mean, when all said and done, does it matter to you whether or not they have gender-neutral, unisex or whatever toilets? It matters to me a lot. I, for a start, I wouldn't go in a one that a man can walk in as well. And if a man has got any decency himself, he wouldn't want to go in where women are because men stand up, as you as you well know. They don't go and sit in a cubicle like a, a woman would. So. You know what the what the heck's going on? You know, I mean, is is uh, common decency going out the window now that you could just sort of, you know, hang all your tackle out as a woman goes past you? I don't, I just can't see it. And, and if it's anything to do with gender, why do they want to mix with the uh, when I say uh, when they want to mix with heterosexual people? They want to be separate. So keep them separate in a, their own flipping toilet. And they can do what they like. I mean, I can remember years ago when they were um, arrested for hanging around toilets. So now you, we've got a, a homosexual, a lesbian and a transgender in the same toilets as you're, you know, displaying yourself. No, I, I, I just I, I just can't believe it. I just really can't okay. believe it. Okay, why do we feel strongly about these things? I've got an article that appears in the paper alongside, not alongside, but, you know, not far in distance from what we've just been talking about. And I think this shows you why it is important to make these gender differences. A, because they are, and B, because of something like what I'm going to read you in the paper now. Okay, now the reason why I'm um, so keen to read you this is it's the thing is these things are in the same newspapers, uh, one entirely off the wall with no sense at all that we have just been discussing, um, that 0.03 of the population are dictating what's happening in the NHS just doesn't make any sense to us, remembering that we've come from Britain to live in another country. So, you know, we're trying to come to terms with what's going on because of our own family still living in Britain. The second article that I'm looking at is Mother had to carry her dead son in her womb for six weeks so his twin could survive after they were struck by a rare disease. I read further into this and there's a 30-year-old a 30-year-old lady from Wrexham called Laura, was told during her pregnancy that her two unborn boys had twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome with one taking the vital amniotic fluid from the other. After a consultation, doctors told the mother that surgery at 16 weeks was the best chance of saving them both. But after five weeks after the operation... Laura was tragically told one of the children, a boy named Henry, had died. And despite being heartbroken over the loss of one son, Laura had to emotionally pull through and try her best to ensure that her other boy, George, could survive by aiming to reach full term. Now, uh, some of this is quite heart-rendering. The mother said, 
I remember thinking, how am I going to walk down the street knowing I'm carrying two babies and one of them I've lost? It was unbearably cruel and the following weeks were the worst of our lives, but I had to keep going to give George the best chance of survival. Laura was only 15 weeks pregnant when a scan revealed that her babies had twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Uh, I must admit, I'd never heard of this. Had you heard of it? No, no, I haven't. No. It's, it's obviously very, a very rare condition. Okay, well, th- there's further very, down. Very sad. There's a very nice family picture, and there's Laura and her partner, Ali. Uh, then they've got uh, two other children that they share, and then the little uh, boy in the pram. Now, the point that I want to have a look at is the fact that, really, mothers, uh, a father, in a general sense, I mean, you can always quote me exceptions, in a general sense, most men, once a pregnancy is announced, they tend to be able to get on with their lives fairly easily. Obviously, there are adjustments that have to be made, but a woman doesn't. Now, you've had children. Um, well, what's the immediate sort of differences that a man, obviously, um, forget all the transgender stuff. We're just talking about a normal pregnancy with a normal <coughs> lady. I'm using the word normal because some people are forgetting it exists. Uh, well, how do you have to adjust, well, ju- adjust your life? Um, well, firstly, when you find out you're pregnant, you're normally about... Uh, 10, 10 weeks, six weeks to 10 weeks, and then you know that you are. Physically, you can be sick, very violently sick, as they call morning sickness. Um, y- your um, personality can change. Uh, you know, you can have uh, uh, moods uh, up and down, uh, swing moods. Um, and then, of course, after the morning sickness, then, of course, you have all the... Um, I wouldn't say pain, but you have the feeling inside your stomach that you know that something is alive and it's going to be your, yours and your husband's uh, child. And it's a feeling that no other, no men can really understand uh, how you feel when you h- hold your stomach and you feel the little kicks coming from inside you. Um, my husband, you know, held my, my tummy and he could feel it, but the sensation that a woman gets is uncomparable to for a man. I mean, he can't compare it the same feeling. Um, and then, of course, you've got the nine months of walking around, feeling uncomfortable. Uh, you can get a little bit stressed because you don't know whether uh, the child is healthy like this poor, this poor lady found out. Um, so it's, it can be a very happy time, or it is a very happy time, but it can also be a very stressful time because... Um, say, for instance, you've had a child that hasn't been 100%, then you're wondering, is the second one going to have the same uh, problem or or anything, really? Um, so you tend not to have tablets, you tend not to eat the wrong things, you tend not to drink, you definitely don't smoke. So, yes, it does change a woman's life immensely. And um, I would say a majority of husbands... Uh, will uh, not sympathize but they will um, support their wife in every way uh, obviously preparing the, the rooms and getting the money to come in to pay for a new baby or a second or a third baby uh, but the, the actual stress of having the baby is really put all, all onto the mother and so as a male i can say that you know once uh, you, you've had a pleasurable night or whatever it is that eventually leads to the, the birth. Most men don't really have anything, any physical things that they have to sort of, uh, you know, adjust the body to. And, and so, you know, when I was growing up, when I was a young man, obviously, um, you would have thought anybody who wants to take this type of, um, should we say, health problem uh, just um, put it into your own life when you don't need to, would need some rather mental consideration to go with what they are saying. So, you know, it doesn't make sense for me, for somebody who, uh, you know, maybe has not been able to 
be this, be, not being the normal that, that I've known. Um, you, you know, it's bad enough to want to uh, maybe have a baby because I know that there's plenty of women. I've had sisters that have had that problem, not being able to have a, a, a child. And, you know, obviously then there's the mental anguish to go through. It's, it's, it's all about the gift of life to me. Now, obviously, I always will tell you that um, I'm speaking from a Christian perspective. It is a gift when all's said and done. You know, I've said this before to uh, when we were making another type of podcast. I was uh, the guy that w- won a race, uh, one particular race. There were thousands of other sperm and I actually won it and I got my prize was my life whereas other people you know they don't seem to see that life is precious and it's a gift but for a mother it doesn't make any odds what a man might feel until you're a mum and giving birth and seeing the new moment of life it's not the same as contriving situations like either the Maybe there are some very wicked surgeons that seem to want to have a go at this rather than look at the actual morality and why probably it's not the best thing to be doing. And then I'll bring into it the fact that when I went to study and I found that the Communist Party manifesto was saying that they want to defeat capitalism by defeating the family, I see clearly this is what's going on. This is why I see it clearly. Now, you find that more difficult, don't you? Uh, Well, I don't know, really. I mean, (laughs) I think what we're saying is everyone's getting confused about everything that's going on, especially uh, my age group and maybe just a little bit younger. I mean, I I still say I I feel sorry for the the generation of, say, I don't know, 20 down to 10, because, I mean, their life is going to be so different than what we had as a child and a a teenager. It's non-comparable, really. I mean, we had such an easygoing uh, child life, uh, you know, teenagers, not being frightened to go down to the park with your friends, your parents let you go on bike rides on your own. None of that happens, I don't think, now. Maybe in the countryside in England, I don't know. But it's not a free and easy society anymore. Um, and we unfortunately can't change that. Okay, but if you go back to your own schooling, when you were learning, you know, uh, you basically would never have learned about communism and capitalism no. and the sort of things uh, that are ideologies. Um, you, your life was based based around being educated so that you were a rounded person that could eventually be a mum looking after your children. And so, therefore, um, that's where maybe the way that we... Well, I didn't really need to know about communism. I mean, it didn't affect my life in England in the 50, 60s, for instance. It didn't. Aff- I know it was happening, but it didn't affect my life. And like lots of things, I mean... Uh, before World War Two started, you know, p- people didn't really, I mean, it was a shock. My mum said when um, the Prime Minister said, we are now at war with Germany. But she said it was still, we knew it was going on. It's like the Ukraine thing happening now. We know it's going on. We know Russia, uh, you know, and Ukraine are having a terrible time. Absolutely awful. Um, but it because it doesn't actually affect our lives, it's very difficult to... Um, sort of do it you know okay if uh i won't stay on this theme too long because it's quite difficult but if you then looked at what i've been saying and thought about the fact that china has actually brought a policy in which limited families to one child per family could you see any connection at all with what I've been trying to... Yeah, well, wh- when that happened, I don't know when it was. It was quite a long time ago, wasn't Not it? Not that long ago, no. But I, think, but I think they can have more than one now. I think they can have more than one, but I don't know. But um, that was t- that's a terrible thing. I mean, and wh- who, ha- who has preference, the, the girl or the boy? You know, I- I- are you wanting to have a girl or a boy? I know a lot of um, 
um, adoptions carried on uh, with uh, Chinese children from other countries. We actually know one family here in Spain who adopted a child. She's now 17 and they adopted her from China. So a lot of that must probably went on as well because do the do the boy boy children have preference over girls? But if you were know. if you were a young person, a young um, and having your time over again, how would you feel if suddenly you woke up one day and either the prime minister in the UK or the uh, first minister here in Spain has decided that you can only have one child? I mean, how would you feel about that? Well, I think there would be a build-up to it about saying there's too many people, um, you know, and they can't support everyone. But no, I wouldn't like it. I mean, you shouldn't be dictated to in that fashion by governments. I mean, you're a human being. You've got human rights, as they say. Uh, it's up to you how many children you have and also how uh, it's up to you to look after them and, and afford them. And what about when you were back at school and, uh, you know, your Christian faith was telling you, well, what, what was it all about as far as your schooling was concerned? What did they tell you about, you know, what, why you exist even? Well, I don't really remember, to, to be honest. I mean, I think uh, a natural thing to think of when you're a girl and a boy as well is, oh, I hope one day I, I, meet, I meet the love of my life uh, no difficulties, we get married and eventually we have children. A, a lot of, I would say, more than half of girls, I think, have that little dream. Uh, that's, that's what eventually is going to happen. They're going to meet somebody who they love and they have a family and, and grow up like their parents. Um, but um, I never really thought about it until maybe I was in my 20s and I met the right person. Y you don't really think about it until you're, you're thinking seriously about a partner. And, um, and in our day, you get married before you have children. Um, I'm not saying it's wrong uh, to have children before you get married, but um, I'm, I'm a bit old school. Um, I'd rather be married and then have children. Um, and make that commitment to one another. Okay, let's move on. Now, we don't need to go back too far to remember that uh, everybody was forbidden to uh, even go out and talk to anybody and the kids couldn't go to school and all sorts of things. And now I'm reading parents in the UK must send their children into school even if they have a cold. This is the minister Nick Gibb and saying missing out on a couple of days in class could have serious impact on future exam results. So obviously a little change of tune straight away. Um, children must be forced to go to class um, even if they have a cold as he urges parents to take a stand on absenteeism. Nick Gibbs says that pupils missing out on even a couple of days of class could have a detrimental effect on academics, exam results and social skills. Uh, data shows that since the coronavirus pandemic, nearly one in four children are absent from school more than one in 10 days. So, uh, Mr Gibb claims the UK government can only do so much to encourage those who abandoned school during lockdown to return and is now calling on parents to make sure children are where they should be. It comes as children, of course, the students received GCSE results last week, which, according to Mr Gibb, revealed that since COVID, the gap between students left behind and their peers has grown. So, um... You see, the, the problem for me is it's almost like they're preparing us now uh, for things coming down the line. For example, I've been reading about uh, various uh, COVID uh, things that are going to hit us. And there's a website for those people that can't uh, maybe think that this could happen. It's called uh, SARS Pandemic or SPARS, I think it is now. Um, and it's 23 uh, to... Um, uh, 2023 to 2025. So if you want to go and look at that on the internet, you'll find it's all been set up. And so um, some of the 
comments, don't lecture parents on attendance when schools were closed for as long as they were. The only year my daughter has had poor attendance was when we had to keep her off for 10 days as per government policy and her class had to uh, isolate. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. What do you think that was all about now, when you look back? It's all double standards, isn't it? I mean, it's all coming out with the government, obviously, the first thing. But double standards now, saying that a child um, has to go to school if it's got a cold. Yes, if it's got a cold, but if it's got a temperature and the mother decides, again, it's the mother and the father's um, uh, decision whether your child is needs to go and uh, have a paracetamol and stay in bed for, a f- for all day and be dosed with um, you know water and all that carry on. It's up to the parents to decide how ill your child is. Uh, I mean, everyone can have a cold, yes, and a sniffle, but the, the big thing is if it's got a temperature, there's no way your child should go to school because infecting the whole class. So that's the first ridiculous thing. And the second ridiculous thing is saying, forcing them to go when, as that lady said, uh, for, well, not a year on end, they didn't go to school at all. And um, you know, the, now they're sort of saying, demanding that they go to school. Um, it's all just, I don't know, I, I just don't believe it all. I don't believe it all happened. And also, I know people died, but many thousands of people died when we had the influenza. That's why we had the, the flu jabs and things like that, which was never really highlighted when all this was going on. Everybody died of COVID or related to COVID. Um, but what happened to influenza? What happened to pneumonia? What happened to a heart attacks? Uh, you know, um, what happened to the cancer? But anyway, um, d- to actually have, uh, as Vince said, have a website stating that there is going to be um, a potential uh, another pandemic in 2025. I think it's just mind-blowing, really, that people can't open their eyes and see. It's all prearranged. I mean, it, it's all sort of, it, it came out, didn't it, that we didn't even need masks. Uh, the only time you need a mask is either when you've got a cold or a temperature or a cough or, you know, something like that, and you don't want to cough over everyone. But you don't walk around with a mask. What the what good that did, with, you know, was beyond me. And I've worked in hospitals, and, um, you know, you'd, I didn't go around with a mask on all the time because of germs. You, you know, you've got antibodies in your body and things like that. The only time anyone wore a mask was when it was in the operating theatre, in case an open wound, um, you know, contracted germs from the surgeon or the nurses. As soon as you came out of operation, the masks were off. So it's all all confusing, and I think a lot of it is lies, and they're trying to make out things are far worse than they are. And unfortunately, a majority of people believe it, and um, I just feel, I don't feel sorry for them, but they pumped all this bad information just look at the way the English government acted when we were all, all, you know, England was told to don't go out, don't do this, don't see your mum in, in hospital, don't see your parents in nursing homes. And what were they doing? They weren't following any of the rules that they were telling everybody else. So I'd be very, very wary of what people do in the next, if there is a next one. Um, I mean, look at all the businesses that have gone bust, all because somebody has said this is a pandemic and it was all contrived anyway it was um i i think it was from the um from laboratories so i just it won't you know it won't most really won't affect us but i just hope people open their eyes this time and don't follow like sheep okay we'll go to another article in today's papers uh, let me see we'll take uh, yes this one <laughs> The number you have reached has been disconnected. Okay, so a grandmother. Uh, she's revealed that she steals luxury items for rich clients and earns up to £500 a day. The brazen thief, uh, her name given in the paper is Lou, 65, steals everything from steak, lobster, champagne, and even Egyptian cotton sheets. 
According to the Grand, she has 60 clients who turn to her when they're feeling the pinch from private school fees or mortgage hikes. Uh, you'd never think these people would use a shoplifter. They are feeling the pinch, so they choose to spend a lot less with me while still getting the same uh, goodies. And yet the poshos really haggle. They're the tightest with their money. Now, she's a grandmother of five, and she said she goes out stealing as soon as a customer calls with a shopping list. She started with four or five clients, but it soon rose to 60 after word of mouth spread. The former party planner targets posh stores such as Harvey Nichols and Harrods, where she gets caviar. Uh, also, she steals from Marks and Sparks, uh, Waitrose, and she said no one is going to pay me for Aldi. But she also nicks luxury items such as Grey Goose vodka and even £14 dog treats. She added they also like bottles of champagne, uh, Moe, not Moe, but more expensive stuff like Bollinger. Sometimes they just say, get as many bottles as you can, which is a dangerous thing to say to me, as I do go a bit mad. Alcohol is very hard to get through. A lot of people want Grey Goose vodka. Um, OK, some of these brands I've never heard, uh, but then again, I don't uh, necessarily uh, shop in these marketplaces in London. What do you think of the general principle of people ordering somebody you know, what they want her to go out and steal. Well, again, it's another unbelievable um, f fact, isn't it? I mean, has she not been... If, if she's openly saying that she's doing it, what are the police doing? I mean, what are these shops doing? Has she been caught? And, and then she... Does she get a fine? Or does she... You know, if, if it's um, a repeated thing, surely she might even have a prison sentence or community service. I mean... It, it all sounds a little bit far-fetched to have 60 customers openly saying this, um, that she's doing it, and the police haven't been involved, or, you know, she hasn't been caught doing any of these things. Again, again, it's just a, a one that you can't, you can't really believe that it's actually happening. Okay, if we take what you've just said and stay with that last phrase, and basically remember that there is now... Uh, the chatbot, the uh, artificial intelligence, and I can put a question in. Uh, can you write a ridiculous article about uh, somebody stealing to order? Within two minutes, that can be ready to go online and become uh, the article in the newspaper. So, so, so is this a true article or well, is this a, a fictitious article? This is the whole point, isn't it? You wouldn't really... I mean, what we... It sounds too farcical to be true, though, doesn't it? What I've just said uh, does sound farcical, but then again, you see that then you look at videos which are going through uh, on, um, say, Facebook or Instagram, and they're showing you people looting in the States. This is more than in the UK. Uh, I'm not looking for these things. They come through in while we're, while we're reading the newspaper online. Um, they come through from people who send us things in good faith. But I am told now they can actually produce videos of people doing things and make it look like you know that is absolutely what's going on so i don't necessarily disbelieve the article i find it almost incredible but i then remind myself that we are policed by consent you know when you looked back when we were growing up we always were policed by consent if um, suddenly a huge crowd decide, decided it was going to go against the norms that they've all learned at school and um, not listen to the police, surely this is now what we're getting. Yeah, exactly. But uh, as I say, sometimes you get a little bit tired of uh, seeing these sort of things because y y you start saying that can't be true. You know, you, you start disbelieving things that are incredible. You, you start disbelieving and um, I'm afraid some of these things must be true, you know. But you see, um, I feel exactly the same. What drives me to do the podcast and make sure that people at least are knowing these things are in the papers and they are there to be either looked at, um, investigated a bit more, thought about. I don't know what, what way you, you do it for yourself, but all I can say is 
I find these things in the papers and I want me, I would like my own children and grandchildren to grow up with a future. And if this keeps going on, then obviously, um, unless you go and change your ideology and you become a total police state, you're not going to have the Spain that we live in here or the UK that we used to live in for many years. And we see, for example, looking at um, Rick Steen, looking at Cornwall this afternoon on the television, beautiful, idyllic way of life. They won't be able to enjoy that unless people see what's happening and stop it. And when I say stop it, you've got to turn up at meetings that try to stop it. Well, it, exactly. I mean, all the things we've spoken about today, um, it needs the general public to actually stand together, the all for one, one for all. This is where it is very important. It's no good being complacent and saying, oh, you know, it'll be okay. You've got to start standing up for your children and your grandchildren and start objecting to these things. I mean, I know it's nothing similar, but um, when Maggie Thatcher brought in, what was that council the tax? The poll tax. The poll tax. Uh, everybody was in uproar about it and it was stopped. So please, you know, if you feel strongly about these things, don't just be a, a silent minority, a minor majority. Be a strong majority and say we'll stick together and we will decide what we're going to do with our children, how we're going to speak English, how we're going to react to any situation. It's our responsibility, not the government's. OK, having said that, I'm going to tell you now what five teenage girls have done and it's something that I think maybe a few more people should start thinking about here we go okay so five teenage girls have written to the Prime Minister urging him to keep single sex toilets in school this is to guarantee female pupils' safety and dignity. Exactly. It's an open letter, and the students who are aged between 13 and 15 called on Rishi Sunak to tackle the issue head-on when the government issued its long-awaited transgender guidance to schools. I repeat, of the total population in the statistics for the last, um, the, 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 the last census, naught point naught three percent is the total that we're talking about unless of course you couldn't be bothered to put yourself on the um the census, the, the census. Mm -hmm. anyway let's go on to see what they say um so the girls who used only the first names now why did they do this to sign their letter uh, well of course they want to they don't want to backlash from trans activists. Exactly. And they've said single-sex facilities were an essential safeguarding feature of schools. No. The letter warns that in many schools, girls are so uncomfortable with having to use the toilets uh, that they simply don't go at a school, risking a urinary tract infection. They decided to write to Mr Sunak after almost 12,000 people signed an online petition launched by one of the girls calling for single-sex spaces to be protected in schools. The letter cites a school in Southampton where there were recent protests against the introduction of gender-neutral toilets. Amid claims, the boys were photographing girls in the gaps above or below the toilet cubicle. A teenage boy was arrested after police investigated reports that a number of girls were being sexually assaulted in mixed-sex toilets at another school. This was in ex-Essex. I'll give you a comment and then I'll get your comment. So the comment comes from somebody in Sunderland. Absolutely shameful that a group of 13 to 15-year-old girls are having to plead for what is right uh, for what is right. Governments are elected to do what is right and follow the will of the people, or so we're led to believe is the advantage of living in a democratic society. Our politicians have forgotten their role in the master-servant relationship, and autocracy is overwhelming democracy. What's worse, in the Labour Party, although uh, lacking policies has shown they will accelerate this dystopian shift. So uh, if you look at this and then relate to when you were, say, 13 to 15, 
How would you think you would have felt? Well, as I say, we've said all along, just a little bit before that, um, the MPs who are voted in by you know the different areas, they are initially working for the mass of that, um, you know, the the the, no, if the Manchester, the constituency, the constituency, the one person is working for the mass of the, for the good of the mass who have voted him in. If the people that have voted him in or her in and have requested these sort of things, they're the ones that they're the voice in government to say we don't want this. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, yes, I would have been appalled because as you know, women girls, women or whatever you want to call us, um, were different than a man in the I'm sense... I'm quite happy with women. Uh, everybody should be happy with women. It's this very tiny percentage of people who are trying to change it. So yeah. call it female, all women. Right, all right, females or women. We we have certain things that happen uh, without going into detail uh, every month. And the, the thing that I would have absolutely been appalled with would be to have uh, boys in the same uh, building uh, using the toilets when we are using it for our private. You did go to a mixed school, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Boys so, and so girls, what yeah. what happened? We had two separate blocks of toilets, and in completely opposite ends of the playground, and also opposite ends of um, of the school. Not opposite ends, but the same entrance wasn't like one go left and one go right. As far as I can remember, we were sort of one corridor, and they were opposite on the other corridor. But that's what you would expect a normal, respectful uh, thing to be. You've got your own decency. You don't want to be um, displaying, uh, you know, yourself in the toilet. I mean, it's about as private as you can possibly be. Is go go to the toilet by yourself? What about uh, when you were growing up? Were there any people around in your school? in your society that you could maybe look back and think, well, maybe they were, you know, a bit uh, that way, a bit strange, different to us, call it what you will, 0.03%. I can't say, you know, right out, yes, there was one girl or there was one boy. No, I can't. But what I can say, and what we used to say people were, were tom girls, tomboys. There were, you know, a few girls that were very uh, boyish um, in the sense that they loved bit more sport, a bit more um, physical uh, activities, um, dressed not quite so feminine as some girls, preferred to wear trousers, for instance, preferred to have short hair. But they didn't want to be discriminated. They didn't want to uh, be set apart from the class. You know, this one particular girl, she was a friends with everybody, but she looked like a tomboy. But she didn't. She didn't not want to mix with girls, and she didn't not want to mix with the boys. It, she was just accepted. But uh, no, I can't say there was anybody outright. Uh, what would you call a boy that's feminine? I don't really know. Just well, gentle, we used to call gentle, people like that quiet. a pansy. But but then we didn't really. We didn't used to do much about it. We no, we just knew they were a bit different. Yeah, no, but you, when I say that, I mean uh, a butch man, a boy, boy, you know, playing rugby, football, blah blah blah. But you will get men now and, and obviously then that didn't like running didn't like sport didn't like um, you know competitive games and things like that and we'd just say they had a feminine side to them we wouldn't say they were gay some some boys um, you know nothing wrong with them and they're not gay it was they private like then though wasn't it i mean th- those were the sorts of things where you you didn't really talk about it you didn't question you didn't it you know you just said oh you know uh, I know one guy, you know, but say Johnny, you know, oh John, John won't. Um, he'll he'll um, support the sports day. He'll be cheering like everybody else. But we'd rather he wasn't in the, in the um, in the races because he can't run and he hasn't got the he hasn't got the incentive to run fast. So we used to just say, uh, you be one of the helpers by by the um, with the sports people, you know, the um, what they call them the. Uh, the stewards, you know, and, and do the tape the tape and all that. And he was happy to do that. 
I mean, he, he knew. He said, I can't run. I can't jump over high jumps. He said, I'd rather just be um, an assistant. Okay, and just to finish off our podcast today, we've spent a bit of time looking at the World Games, uh, the athletics in Budapest. I've got to say, it was marvellous. Mm. And I think the athletes have done themselves, especially the UK and the Spanish athletes, I thought they did themselves really, really proud, didn't they? Very good and really, really exciting. And such a cross-section of countries, you know, so the English uh, male and females that uh, got any sort of medal, very, very proud of them. And they should be proud of themselves, especially the ones that actually made it to the final. I mean, the final I- is a, an achievement in itself. Um, obviously, everybody wants to get a medal. But to be in a final of eight people from all over the world is is absolutely tremendous. Absolutely right. Okay, that's it. Uh, we've looked at the papers. Where at least 500 UK flights have been cancelled by air traffic control, IT failure. I think uh, we'll be talking with Neil about that tomorrow. So in the meantime, thank you very much indeed. Okay, everybody. Um, Hopefully next week it'll be, will it be September next week? It will be September next week. That's right. So um, hopefully our temperature will be going down to a decent 25. That's lovely. Bye.